0: Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata? A schema therapy podcast for therapists with ISST accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com.
1: Okay, so uh, What's the Schemata? Uh, Katrina Boderhoven-de Hahn is our, is our guest today. Um, and actually, it's uh, unfortunately Chris... Chris won't be joining us but it's um, it's going to be Katrina and I for this special episode um, of what's a schemata focusing on imagery rescripting. and Katrina is is an expert in imagery scripting she' recently finished her PhD um, and very very busy person haven't you Katrina yeah yeah yep. and so for some of you that don't know Katrina um, I might we might open with just a bit, we might just talk a little bit about who you are and, and that kind of thing. Um, do you want to say a few things about that, Katrina? I mean, who are you, sure. Katrina? No. Um,
0: um. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I've um, been working across, like, community mental health and um, specialist services like SARC, child protection. Um, kind of have more moved into the private practice realm, but also, like, doing training. Chris and I have been working really hard on this imagery rescripting training, and I'm also starting to do some live workshops in it as well. Obviously, when the world opens up, that we can spread that a bit more. But, Absolutely, yeah, I, know, I know
1: you and Chris have been working really hard on that. Um, yeah. On, on a platform for imagery rescripting training, so um, which which is actually called imagery rescripting training online. Yeah. So I know you've been working really hard on that. Uh, with Chris. yeah
0: this has been kind of our like idea for a very long time um, obviously phd there's only so much time we have so we wanted to wait for the main study to finish before we could actually really focus on this although we've been talking about it for a really long time so it's really it's awesome that we can get it to, you know, it's come to life. Our baby is born now. It's up. It's running. And it's really good. It's been really fun making it. And we've had some great experiences, you know, with um, some of the live recordings. Um, Chris and I are just kind of hanging out and chatting about imagery rescripting gone wild. It's great. He's
1: a great guy like that. Yeah. He's really good yeah. to, to hang, talk shop with and explore the model and, so you um i noticed you talked about uh working at SARC, and um so for those that don't know uh, SARC is a, is a sexual assault uh, treatment service is that right in perth mm-hmm. uh, and, yep. and is this where you met chris chris hayes
0: yes yep it is so that's kind of where um the research that i was involved in for my phd the Um, comparing imagery rescripting and eye movement desensitisation for treating adults with childhood trauma-related post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So as a little researcher coming into SARC, I'd heard that there were these great therapists that were going to be involved and Chris just was one of them. He's, you know, obviously really passionate in the schema therapy world, but in terms of imagery rescripting, he's also really passionate
1: so you sort of gravitated towards each other over there.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm honest, the imagery scripting was what sucked me into doing my PhD. It, um, I was really lucky in part of my master's training to get imagery scripting training with Dr. Chris Lee. And I fell in love. It was so much fun. My friend and I got to practice this together and it's, oh it just sucked me in and so it was from that point I was kind of like okay I need to explore this further and how am I going to do that so
1: you were already before you began your PhD you were already practicing as a therapist
0: um through like clinical practice and stuff like that yeah
1: yeah so you're already a clinician a practicing clinician before you started your PhD is that right
0: uh no we're still kind of competing well completing training at the same time or okay. education yeah
1: Okay. And so the whole process of being involved in the study was quite, quite a big thing. And, and it got you to really explore, I imagine in depth, and a lot of the issues uh, around trauma and, and, and treatment of trauma, for, you know, especially with this model.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, since I've kind of completed all my qualifications and everything, essentially my specialty has been trauma, um, treating trauma populations, particularly childhood trauma and imagery scripting is one of the techniques that I use and use quite frequently.
1: And you've been bouncing around with some some great people. I know Chris Lee also, he's, he's a great guy and, uh, you know, especially awesome guy to um, be hanging around with and talking about the model yeah. and... Yeah,
0: um, Anu Dance as well was part of the IRM study. Mm. Um, and and an
1: embarrassment of riches, you know, in, in having folks there to bounce the ideas off.
0: Oh, yeah, but, you know, you've got the Mac Daddy of imagery with scripting and he's just so passionate about it and just being able to chat with him and catching up with him on conferences or even I was really lucky to do. Who um, you calling
1: the Mac Daddy? Uh, yeah, the
0: backdaddy of imagery rescripting. Like, he just. Is it, you're talking about Arnud. Arnud arts, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's protocol that we're following, and um, it's great. Like, I think at one point I was lucky enough to use my research grants for a trip to Europe. It was really awful, as you can imagine. But just yeah. catching up with Anu there and just a sense Oh,
1: so you got to run over to the, to the Netherlands to... Um, yes,
0: I went to Germany and went to the Netherlands just to interview all the um, therapists at each of the sites who were involved in the study. So I got to talk to them about their experiences of EMDR and imagery with scripting. And that was awesome. That was really fun. All right. Well,
1: let's get more into it. Let's get more into it. So, um, you know, so... Look, you mentioned, though, uh, you know, the imagery part of this really caught you. Yeah. Um, you know, what was it about about imagery rescripting that, that piqued your interest, that sort of drew you into this area?
0: I think it's just like, you know, you describe a technique, but this one, it just, it kind of gets to the heart centre or the emotional centre so easy with very little effort. And just the change, it's, I know it, It it may sound weird, but I think when you get it right, you can feel the emotion in the room and it's just so powerful. Even, you know, um, my initial practices with one of my colleagues on it, it was just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, we talk about things on such that cognitive level, but once you connect with the emotions, you can kind of know know the change see it happening it's awesome
1: do you have a memory about this do you have, do you have like a, a core positive memory when you're like ah, oh, this is cool
0: yeah like i mean so many of my clients that i've done it like you can just i know one of them was just massive trauma history deprivation parents kind of knew about the abuse never did anything but when she went into doing the rescripting as well it was just so powerful for her because she mm. finally got to stand up for herself. She got to kind of tell people off or put them in their place and it was like afterwards right. she kind of needed half an hour before she could even talk again.
1: You know, that's great. That's great to hear. You know, so it was from those moments, practicing as a therapist, having those breakthrough moments, um, you know, that's they're the memories for you. Yeah. Well, and I imagine too, because if I think about my own practice there's a dual process going on there you know which is that you know you're you're doing this new therapy and you know you're trying it out with, with you know with trauma, and then you're having the client they're having a breakthrough moment they're feeling they're feeling empowered, but then also I imagine especially you know working on that initially in the model, um, having those experiences would have also the building blocks of your own feelings of competence and confidence in the model right to if you think about positive schemas um there's there's something in that too that you know the the client's positive memories of recovery are also feeding into your own memories um you know of of competence and and um optimism you know for the model
0: Yeah, because you can just feel it and just that, you know, it touches you as a therapist. We are human after all. And I think when you know that you've helped that person to really get that insight and understanding about how awful their experiences was and to kind of really embrace that for them, it kind of helps you and it, you just want to keep on going and keep on helping as many people as possible because it's just
1: so powerful. So, um, you know, in a a sort of elevator pitch way, you know, you did this quite a big study and actually a series of studies involving, you know, some qualitative, you mentioned interviewing therapists uh, in Europe and elsewhere. But just if you think about the RCT part of this, Mm -hmm. could you do like an elevator pitch, you know, what was it about and what did you find, you know, what were the most exciting aspects of that?
0: Um, So the idea is that, you know, we don't really know or we didn't kind of know best ways of treating this population because they're more complex. A lot of the previous studies have focused on CBT type of interventions. Nothing has uh, been done to compare EMDR and imagery rescripting, which are both treatments which kind of limit the exposure component for participants. So three countries, seven sites, um, large RCT, we treated patients uh, 12 sessions twice a week for about up to six weeks, but six to eight weeks. Um, what we found was amazing that there were significant reductions across all measures of PTSD, um, self reported PTSD, dissociation. So these were
1: stress- clients with PTSD diagnosis. From childhood trauma, you know, memories, index memories of of childhood traumatic events.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at they were trauma before the age of 16. The like main age, like kind of average age of the onset of this trauma was about eight years. Mm. Um, and you know, but the duration of the trauma that they um, of PTSD that they had was about. Uh, 17 years mm. so these people had significant trauma that had been impacting them for like significant period of their life
1: and they were comparing um an established treatment also emdr uh, yep. with imagery scripting as yep. a an imagery scripting a, in a standalone way yes you know, where we, without uh the bells and whistles of schema therapy
0: Exactly. So, I mean, EMDR is an evidence-based treatment for PTSD, but not so much has done been done in the childhood trauma sphere. Um, but yes, so it was comparing EMDR and imagery rescripting as a standalone intervention. We know that there's a lot more research coming, you know, since Anudat's seminal article in 1999 Imagery rescripting has been used as a standalone intervention and it's been really effective across a range of disorders like phobias, particularly social anxiety, OCD, depression, even. um, And voice hearers has been used a lot. It's a new one too,
1: it was in Perth, right? Again.
0: Yeah, so where. Little
1: hotbed over there.
0: Like, we're so fortunate here, like, um, Chris and I are involved in like an imagery rescripting group and so we get our full nerd on and there's like voice hearers there's ocd clinic here as well so we have someone from there who uses imagery is that is that how
1: you, is that, you sort of see yourself as a sort of imagery geek
0: a little bit yeah, yeah because it's just fun when you start talking about it we just get caught. imagery
1: super it. geek especially if you've done your phd in something like yeah. you, you know you almost by definition you become that
0: Exactly. As you would know, Rob, it's almost like you get your academic geek on and it's great fun.
1: Are you a schema therapist too? Like, so what's the I'm, go there?
0: I'm working towards accreditation as a schema therapist. I'm not okay. a official, official, but I do use schema therapy. So um, you've
1: done schema therapy training and all that stuff too, you know, yeah. hanging out with, with all, both Chris's and, and everybody, you know.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So there's that, but, but also, um, you know, you've had this unique experience just applying in a research context, uh, the imagery model versus EMDR.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so can you say some things about that? I'm sure a lot of people are curious. Um, a lot of schema therapists are also trained in EMDR, uh, yeah. myself included, uh, are you? Did you participate in both arms of the study as a therapist? Or, yeah, or, I'm I mean, not too sure.
0: that was my one stipulation that I said to Chris Lee. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I need to be a study therapist because I can't just be behind the scenes. I want to be involved.
1: Oh, well yeah. done, Katrina.
0: Yeah, well, you kind of need to. Like, it's a clinical trial. And as much as I like being a geek and being academic, I'm still very much a clinician and I love working with people. I mean, that's why we get into this work, right? Um, and so I got to t- be trained in EMDR as well. So it was like imagery rescripting what drew me in. I didn't really know much about EMDR at that time, but then I did and it was almost like I had these two babies and sometimes I was torn between the two babies. <laughs> what I like the best, but they're both great. They're both effective. They're really you know, in my trauma treatment toolkit, they're my key things
1: that I use. And that's what the study found. Yeah. Uh, my read of it was, was that um, the study found a, a sort of basic equivalence. Uh, if I, if I, you, you correct me, it's your, it's your research, but yeah, no, my, my, my understanding was they found a basic equivalence, you know, in terms of statistical significance across the stages. There was a trend for EMDR maybe to work quicker, a trend, is that right?
0: Initially, yeah, so that was at mid treatment, but it was only on a very select number of um, items. So it was uh, like index trauma, guilt, and shame, or oh, no, so uh, guilt, no, shame and disgust, uh, some very specific ones. You've been but,
1: dissociating your PhD, I, mean, I know,
0: allegedly. pushing it
1: out of your mind for the last year.
0: You're all encompassed, and then you just need a little bit of a break. Um, but so. EMDR at midpoint uh, was quicker on some measures, but then imagery scripting caught up in the end.
1: Right, and this was only a trend, it wasn't significant.
0: No, no no significance. Right, so
1: this is a trend in a subset of patients and maybe on a subset of outcomes, there was kind of a trend towards EMDR going a bit faster. But then the same thing of, of imagery, it seemed that at the follow up period, a similar thing where there was, again, not statistically significant but a little bit of a trend towards um, almost a percolation effect, like that imagery yeah. Something was going on for some clients beyond the end of the study for those yes. that were engaging in imagery scripting.
0: Yeah. I mean, so my, my personal theory on that is that, so we had the 12 sessions and if people were doing the imagery scripting condition, the first six sessions, the therapist rescripted, and then the following six sessions, the client did the, or the participant oh. did the rescripting. So personally... Like that second part of the treatment, that's where the magic really, really happens. You know, like I think it's one thing that us as therapists go in and do the rescripting. We, um, you know, from our interactions with other therapists about imagery or scripting, that first stage is really important. It's about modelling behaviour. It's firstly, you know, meeting the needs because a lot of our clients come from neglectful, depriving environments. They've never actually had that experience of someone being there. And then the yep. second part is they're actually modelling that behaviour, what it is like for an um, adult to come in and provide comfort, provide support yeah. to do that for them. So giving, it
1: gives the, the first phase, if you like, gives the, the client a, a sort of experience of care, you know, yeah. within the imagery that they might have missed out on or that wasn't present during the trauma.
0: Yeah, gives them like that model to kind of operate in and understand even language, um, and then it's the second part of treatment where they're the ones going into that.
1: So, and again, it's a little bit of speculation. So, and I realise that, but but sort of, it's nice in a way that they kind of came out basically even. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, but but I'm also curious, and I have my own thoughts about this too. You know. Did you pick out any themes or did you, do you have a little theory about which clients might prefer or do better with EMDR or, or, or perhaps do better or prefer uh, imagery rescripting?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that EMDR is for a lot more um, not, not more contained trauma experiences, if that makes sense. So, like, mm-hmm. say, single events or... Um, like, not something that imagery scripting certainly would be for that prolonged period of time, particularly where there's that environment around that's really depriving and neglectful, like, not needs not being met, parents not being supportive. Mm. So certainly, imagery scripting is more appropriate in those ways when there's that. It
1: sounds like a real attachment element.
0: That attachment element. You know, element
1: that's a lack of attachment that sort of.
0: Yep. Absolutely. But also mm. that real um disturbances in that core sense of self, I think mm-hmm. like they both are effective, but sometimes imagery scripting will be a bit more powerful in that.
1: That was a bit I mean, we we're only talking about your your you know, your, the sense that you would get that you got yeah. in the yeah. study. And yeah. I mean my own kind of experience. I guess too is, uh, and I guess it would be really nice to get, and I'm sure maybe you and Chris Leah would think about that too, thinking about that, you know, who benefits more from which. I mean, I'm not sure if if that would come out. Did you have some way of capturing that in the study?
0: Not for this study, but um, so what happened with the Irem trial, it's actually gone on to a second phase because what was unique about Irem as well was it, using that intensive program so sessions twice a week so mm. now it's the iron frequency trial which is underway and that's looking at um weekly versus um bi-weekly sessions and so i think in nice in that and so one,
1: you, they've built in some predictor analyses or something for the second study
0: they are trying yes i mm. think they have i'm not all over you're not that. you're not
1: you're not running that one no, okay.
0: A little, like, you can't a do
1: it all. You can't yeah. do it all,
0: Katrina. Okay. Uh, it My plan is to go back on the next level stage. I think. Oh,
1: IRM3, Katrina's yeah, back. IRM3. Okay.
0: Um, I think it's tentatively planned that it's going to be also bringing in trauma focused CBT as a
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. So I guess, I and mean, I wonder what you think about this, the, the, the sort of Thing. I guess partly what you said when the trauma is more contained when it's a single incident type of thing um, I, I've noticed that EMDR might do a little better um, I, I guess what's in my mind that there are clients that seem to really want to do the processing more privately mm-hmm. and I've wondered about attachment styles and, and stuff around that like so there's some people who are like no 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 like let's I just want to do the processing and and, and then may not be too comfortable with you being on the inside of that very much. Yeah. In other words, they prefer to just do the processing. Let's say yeah. with the MDR. And then there are other people who really want you in there. Like they need that containment or they really seek that attachment piece. That, that was probably the biggest thing I found doing both. Um, yeah. And then I started sort of thinking, well, that's fine. That can be a bit of a decision point. Like if some clients are saying, no, 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 I just want to try doing the processing maybe we could try that, and there's good evidence for that. Um, And for those that might need more involvement or benefit from the containment that might come with having a figure in there, like kind of, you know, protecting them and meeting the needs. Because they are very quite different therapies when you think about it. They're both doing processing.
0: Yeah. But in a very different way. Exactly. And I think that's what even some therapists have kind of commented on is that with EMDR, they're kind of just there. They're just a coach, almost a facilitator, whereas mm. imagery, and so they kind of, as a therapist, feel a little bit... Sidelined. Like, yeah, exactly. They're yeah. like, hey, this is, I'm supposed to be here. So imagery rescripting is amazing for that, to get them kind of involved and, you know, really that therapeutic alliance, it just kind of fosters that and that builds that attachment
1: yeah i mean have you ever thought about how they might combine as well like and i have had supervisees that sometimes i'll say things like you know um they they started off doing imagery rescripting and that really helped get past the touch protector and then down the track that that there was a particular memory and they switched to emdr like do you think that's somewhere where the future lies like is there a way of combining these things
0: yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I won't lie. I've kind of combined it, but a bit more in the process. So I was doing EMDR with a particular client and I slipped into an imagery rescripting because this was like um, the EMDR was around a time where her mum and her sister ganged up on her and were yelling at her. And EMDR was helping, but I think I was like, mm, hold on, we need something a bit."
1: And then she came in. Yeah. And
0: then I slipped in and I just kind of said, okay, I'm there
1: now. Yeah. And couldn't, I, help you know,
0: couldn't help, couldn't help yourself. Couldn't help myself. And it yeah. was full. Cool. And, and that's the other effective.
1: thing I've noticed is that EMDR therapists who treat a lot of, like, who treat a lot of trauma, but that treat a lot of complex trauma uh, and do it maybe using the dissociate, you know, a structural dissociation model, uh, a lot of them actually go there anyway. Yeah. Like, like they end up in a place where they would do a little bit of rescripting. Like they say, I'm there now and I'm saying, you know, you need to leave here now. And then that all set. Right. So does that make sense? Like, so if if you run into that, so, you know, in other words, EMDR therapists, are not all of them, but many of them are relying on something that looks a bit like imagery scripting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they, it always comes up because, you know, particularly in EMDR, when you're going, okay, you know, imagine that, there's a child there, kind of what would you think, what would you do? There's always that imagery component there and sometimes you just take it to the next level and that's really helpful.
1: Yep. Yep. What's his name? Um, Philip Phil Manfield?
0: Manfield, With yeah. With
1: flash tech. He, he's, he's the one that I've seen that. I've seen him bring in like what looks like a lot of imagery scripting um, okay. into the MDR. Interesting. I mean, so I guess a broader question there around trends in trauma. I mean, what what do you think? say, 15 years from now, do you see any trends going forward in the treatment of trauma?
0: Not re- I don't know. It's just changed so much. Like, trauma is such a more talked about thing now. I think, you know, my hope is that it's certainly going to be a lot more accessible to people and it's not going to be such a... Um, I guess, a daunting experience in some ways. Like, you know, we're fine tuning it in a way that is really minimizing their exposure to treatment. I mean, I so that's a real benefit for clients because there's always that fear about doing this kind of work. I mean, I think in terms, particularly in EMDR and imagery rescripting, While we have kind of theories and while we think we understand it, I think there's actually a lot more processes that are going on that we really need to find out a bit more. Um, I don't know. I mean, Perth is great. There's a really, it's a hub here of lots of different trauma treatments and trauma research going on. So it's really, um, really fortunate to be here. But as to where it goes, I don't know. It's
1: changed so yeah. much in such a short space of time. What about you? What are your thoughts? Oh, uh, oh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I guess I've been interested in things like the voice hearing. I mean, I mean, I guess there's a there's a general movement towards a more trauma based approach with uh, you know across problems. You Absolutely. know, I've I've recently seen Chris Lee's group publish a meta analysis on trauma based treatments for depression. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, you talked about the, the recent study uh, which looked at um, imagery of scripting for voice hearers with, mm-hmm. with uh, traumatic memories. You know, so I, I, I guess one of the trends I've seen is, yeah, more trauma-based treatments across, across the spectrum of problems, you know, yeah. s- s- using that trauma lens, you know, seeing trauma memories as a transdiagnostic diagnostic construct and something to target in treatment
0: mm. uh,
1: regardless of the diagnosis necessary. That, that, that that's a bit of a uh trend that i've seen um yeah. i'd like to pick up a thread though on something that you picked up on which is i guess part of the thing with all of this is a variable is that you have to be able to convince a client to do it you know yeah. if it's going to work you have to convince a client that hey you know this could help you this will help you um let's try this out this is evidence-based etc so that's one thing yes. um what do you think about though? I often see that the bigger problem or the bigger barrier are therapists themselves.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: in that in that it's a hard thing to push people into their trauma. It's not a nice thing to do often. You yep. know, so how do we do more of that? I mean, what's your experience around that? Have you noticed hesitance among therapists?
0: Absolutely. I mean, so one of the other studies of my PhD was looking at Therapists and um, clients' experience of trauma-focused treatment. So I have this bugbear: we have wonderful treatments on offer, but we know that there's lack of implementation; that they're not actually being used. So I really wanted to actually find out: okay, so what are the barriers to treatment? What can we do to improve that? And. One of the things that came up a lot was, um, well, firstly, the initial stages, you need willingness from the participant. If you haven't got willingness from them, you haven't got anything and treatment is not going to work, they're probably not going to show up. So it's really important. You kind of want to get them on board, that it's like really that psychoeducation. And
1: that comes back a little bit to this question about which one to choose because if you sort of said, hey, you know, we've got two or three ways of doing the processing, this is what imagery looks like, this is what EMDR looks like, this is what, you know, uh, helping the client make a choice, you know, to what, I mean, if you could get more willingness out of a client, if they said, hey, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to go back into my memories and I want to, I want to, you know, push them out and I want to, you know, take charge. This will appeal to certain people.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I still think, like, I, in the trial and sometimes now, when you explain imagery or scripting, it, it's really good to use a pilot, like just to get them on board because you can explain it and, you know, people can take it on board, but they're like, oh, yeah, you know. But I know that there was one particular participant in the trial where I explained it, I'd given the handout, we discussed it, I'd given the rationale for imagery or scripting, but she was a bit like, hmm, not sure. So we did a pilot just on a memory um, from, I think it was about her being told off by a teacher. And right. afterwards she's like, oh yeah, I get it. Now. All right.
1: So sometimes it's just a matter of saying, look, why don't we just try one out or even just do yep. some imagery for assessment and yep. or something and and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. So they have that experience. But just going back to the other part about the therapist. So, you know, avoidance is a it's a real thing. It's from patients, but also therapists as well, you know, like they it, the the therapists in the research trial knew that, oh, hold on, they're coming in, there's a clear protocol that they need to follow. And that uncomfortableness for them to see someone in distress to be like kind of pushing them to do the trauma work. Mm. But what we kind of found from the qualitative research was there was this adherence and avoidance. So normally if a client's distressed, the therapists come kind of like, okay, let's just pull back, pull back, let's just do some, you know, grounding, some mm. mindfulness. But in the research, that having to adhere to the treatment protocol, actually they found facilitated treatment it helped the clients get through the distress a lot quicker and the processing happened. Mm, mm. Whereas if they would kind of stopped and gone, okay, let's just do a bit of mindfulness, let's finish up for the day, it still would have been there and they still would have had to come. And stuck sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there's something
1: Chris Hayes always, what he got out of participating in the trials, sort of said um, there's something about doing this for a particular block and saying, look, we're doing yeah. six to 12 weeks, we're doing, you know, we're doing 12 sessions of this. That's the commitment. We're going to go through these memories. There's something about that which seems um, to be useful.
0: Absolutely. It's almost like um, selling it like a package. You know, here's your package deal. You come in, you're doing this trauma treatment. But the idea is that you go, okay, this is why you're here we understand that you're struggling. So
1: it's, it's like a manicure or a pedicure or something. It's this, yeah,
0: kind of. The, the one
1: that's not fun.
0: No, no exactly. <laughs> it's like the waxing maybe we should say rather than the pedicure. But right. the idea is that we sell this package to people, you know, and that is doing that intensive approach because people can go, okay, cool, what I'm doing is I'm actually on leave. Like I've got a client coming up who's all right, I'm on leave from december to early february so we're going to do intensive treatment then and it's like they kind of in some ways put life on hold they're really mm. this is what i'm doing wow. this is wow. what I'm at. and you're preparing for that but wow. you know and you know it's going to be intense but it's important
1: though isn't it to have the headspace for this sort of yeah. thing now sometimes yeah. i'm sort of proposing this and you're looking at the person's life and you think, gee, you know i don't know if they've got two minutes to rub together um you know, so so that's really nice. Uh, you know, it, sometimes those extraneous variables are very important. You know, is is there enough stability? Is there enough headspace to do some of this work?
0: Exactly, but I mean, it's also realistic that there are some clients. There's never going to have the lovely environment. The perfect. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be crisis. It's going to be stress. So, what would
1: the perfect imagery rescripting? hospital slash facility look like with katrina the katrina you know and uh de Haan institute of imagery
0: well it's like in um, in the netherlands they had Cytrex, so that was an intensive program where people had eight days of exposure in the morning emgr in the afternoon and um, exercise in the middle of the day. I think maybe that's a bit too intense, but if people could set aside some time, like, you know, a six-week period, like, look at the IRM results. We had a 7.7% dropout, which is just out of this world in terms of former treatment. Like, it was amazing, and the results are significant. So any time that you can have this little hub where people could... So as long money. as
1: clients are willing,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, they really, they, they, they benefit, you know, they're willing to come and, and have a low dropout. I mean, there was a bit of a, reading the study, you know, obviously there's people who signed up for it and they made a commitment. Um, but, you know, as long as clients were staying in the study and made the commitment, um, they were benefiting.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, even outside of that, it's like once you can get people on board, like if you can really help them to understand, because I don't know about you, but in private practice, we get a lot of depression, anxiety Mm. referrals. Of course, once you do your initial assessment, you Mm. go, hold on, there's a lot more going on here. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, having that conversation with them, okay, and giving them that real understanding, Mm. putting in context, why they feel why they think, why they behave the way that they do, because of what's happened to them before you can you know if they're on board, you can kind of really help to shape their therapy in a way that's going to work for them
1: yeah yeah, very good, very good yeah. um, what about what about something I'm curious about is is talking to other you know, therapists, especially those doing schema or imagery rescripting, about about kind of barriers uh, to, you know, to, to that sort of progress. Let, let's say, or to the nice sessions, or you know, what what are the? We've all had the sort of sessions that go pear shaped as well. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, where it doesn't all look great, and it's not like it is on the DVDs. And
0: I yeah. mean, what
1: what are the kind of barriers that come up for you common barriers or at least in the study or in your experience
0: yeah i mean i think it's it's fair to admit that patients can still avoid treatment you know they don't want to engage they don't want to connect their younger self i mean i'm sure you've had that. that's avoided
1: so avoid you know in schema terms we call the avoidant protector
0: yep absolutely they're just not why do i need to go back there and even though they're back there they're not quite back there you know like um that's always one of the things did you have any
1: way of addressing that in a study like you must have been tempted to say hey this is i know it's not technically a part of the study you have this important protector mode and yeah, I mean, did that it, come up
0: it, it did come up yeah so the idea was you had to do trauma processing every session but yeah. obviously Sometimes it took a little bit to get to the trauma processing, so you could, you know, draw on other things along the way to help address the avoidance. Right. So as
1: long as you could get them to do the the processing, that was the goal.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think, if you
1: brought in a bit of talk about avoidance or an avoidant mode or something, was that happening?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
1: oh, know. that's great to hear. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, we uh, one of my old PhD students who finished uh, last year. Uh, her name's Adele Stravopoulos. She more or less copied, I know you copied a nudes protocol. She kind of copied your protocol. Okay. Uh, but applied it to depression, to folks yep. with, uh, with, with chronic depression and with some prominent uh, trauma memories. Um, and so her, she submitted the results and things. She had really fantastic results um, as well. Um, but there, there was something okay. to this story, actually. It's <laughs> yep. the reason why I brought it ah, up. Um, she found the same thing you know, during the study, even though it wasn't in the protocol to start talking about modes or something, it was almost inevitable that at some stage you had to, you know, help the client understand that, that sort of resistance mm-hmm. to doing, to doing the imagery or the side of them that wanted to pull out of imagery. For some of them, there was a lot of rumination. There was a side of them that might've been a bit more like we talk about an overanalyzing mode or an yeah. over-controller mode or something. So that's good to hear. So, so, you know, there was a protocol, but, but, you know, within that, you know, uh, therapists were trying their best to get people to engage in the protocol.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was a research trial. People knew why they were there. They knew kind of what it was all about. So it did happen, but not a heap because there was still that motivation. But I think you'll find in practice outside of the research, it does come up. Yeah. It does come yeah. up. Even like when you go to the second part of the protocol where the client is doing the rescripting, mm. there's always avoidance there. Oh, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready. I don't know what to, how to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So lots of avoidance. So basically one of the, the big barriers is avoidance yeah. in the client and in the therapist's. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't get that too much in, the, in your study with the therapist. I'm okay. sure they're all trained but, up. And...
0: We, we did the um, fidelity scale, so all of the therapists.
1: So were... everyone was in check. They all had to.
0: Make sure they were doing what they were mm. supposed to do and they were pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Were there, are, are there any other barriers? Like if you think about those, those sessions that go pear-shaped, like yeah. all those tricky questions.
0: Um, I mean, I know. Like one of my clients, she, when she was doing the rescripting scripting she just wanted to run away every single time I step in the image. So that's avoidance
1: okay. again. Ah, oh, when you step in the image.
0: Yeah. So she was stepping in, and so it's about as in that she's not powerful enough, she's not strong enough to kind of take control. And so you
1: needed there. to be in there.
0: Uh no. But what we had to do was prep her. So. Mm. Got little palm cards. We wrote down, okay, what are the things that you need to say to this person? So essentially, you're really building them up to be able to confront their perpetrator.
1: Yep. um did you do any uh, chair stuff? That's the other thing that came up in our little study. Um, yep. We were so tempted to do chair work at times, you know, that uh, in the session, the thing would be the critic or something, you know. Um, and for the protocol, of course, we, we didn't. We, we sort of did a float back, for example, back to where that would land. But um, I guess that, that just showed our own more this initial schema-based training.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. you
1: didn't have that temptation.
0: I didn't. No, not, not so much. Um, I mean, I think Chris would occasionally do bits, but I didn't found, find that I actually needed to do that stuff. Like that was yeah. very much just a basic, okay, what do you need to say? Let's write it down. What are the key points that you're feeling or that these people did to you? Take this home, practice mm. it, and come back. And when she came back, oh, she came back, she unleashed. It was great. It was really that's good. Lovely. It was really powerful. So
1: what would you say to, this, to, to, the, to the trauma therapist or, or the therapist that's um, scared to, 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 to go there with imagery, you know, scared to really um, to take it experiential, you know, afraid, afraid to maybe re-traumatise their client or something?
0: I mean, you can't because you're rescripting the end. You know, like you can always. The idea is that you're a healthy adult going in there and you're winning the inter- intervention and so all that interaction. And you can do whatever you need to do to help win that interaction. Bring in the Incredible Hulk if you need to. Bring in security guards, the SWAT team. Like it's all. It's a fantasy thing. It's about your imagination and it's about doing what you can do to help the um, client, to help have that, you know, key changes or key, you know, changes in fundamental belief systems. So, and I mean, imagery scripting, it's a really easy technique um, to
1: apply. The thing that always comes to my mind, I, I remember having different pieces of supervision, but, but basically to the tune of, you know, your, your client has a chance here to actually work on this trauma in a way that can be healing and can really reduce their distress and change their life. If they walk out of here, they're still going to be experiencing the trauma because that's the nature of it. You know, so they already experience this trauma usually on a daily basis, if not when they're asleep. You know, this is the nature of PTSD, you know, Uh, intrusive memories, you know, intrusive images. So, you know, the idea is counterintuitive that you go into that and you try to do the processing and it in the short term it would lift uh, distress. You know? yeah. But in the long run, you know, you got, you, you're going to be helping them. You know, well, that then- we have strong evidence now from people like you, Katrina, that yeah. shows that this stuff really works and can be very well tolerated even among very very traumatised individuals. Yeah.
0: Because, you know, what what did come out of the qualitative studies is that you actually need to go back to the trauma. You can't just work around it and avoid, you know, going back to that key point. It's about going back to that source when that happened and providing that corrective experience. Or as um, like Emily Holmes talked about, what is the toxic meaning that you get from this memory? What is the antidote that we need to give you? So how can we change that? And... You know, it's about getting that engagement, and like you said, they live this life every single day. What, how much can an image or scripting do? Because it's like they're existing with a PTSD; they're ex- experiencing the symptoms as part of their everyday life. It can't hurt. It's only the thing I
1: find work. is, 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 is you know, when as a therapist, as long as you you're doing your thing and you're coming in there. Um, and you're bringing your best intention to meet needs and create safety, um, whether or not it goes swimmingly, the client kind of gets that. They, yes. they understand that you're there doing kind things uh, and that, that, that is always, that always feels okay. It always feels so better than what it is when they have to do it alone, you know.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, worst case scenario, if you don't get it right, you just do it again.
1: Well, that's the other piece, isn't it? There is a certain amount of trial and error, can we say, in yep. the technique. Yeah. You know, that you can't expect that every every imagery processing would go perfectly and you meet all the needs and, yeah. you know, like the, the more common pathway is what? Mm,
0: because, I mean, like it's it's little things that happen along the way. Like I think even in a training I was talking to another therapist and she's like, I don't really get the fantasy stuff. You know, if you brought in the Incredible Hulk, I wouldn't mm. really believe the intervention because you sometimes you just don't know what's going to work and be most yeah. effective for that client. And so having interventions that are more realistic might be suitable. I've
1: got to admit that's I'm um, the same way. I always yeah. try to make my imagery of scripting as realistic as, as, as I can. Yeah. You know, so I hold back on the Incredible Hulk. Um, unless there's some good reason for it. Like the client yeah. might say, look, I just want the Incredible Hulk because that's my figure. And um, yeah. then, then I'll go with that or Spider-Man or something. But but I have found, that's just a little thing I found, that um, the less fantastical you can make it, uh, it often corresponds to it being mm, more believable. Yeah. Uh, the feeling within it being more believable and less fantastical. Yeah. Um, that's just something I found, you know, so... The kind of thing I try to do usually is um, I try to think, you know, if the normal mechanisms of society didn't fail this child in this mm-hmm. moment, let's say, because they're left with an abuser or, you know, yeah. mum's unwell or whatever, if the normal mechanism for society for looking after kids didn't fail, like what would have happened? What should have happened here? Yeah, Someone should have come in, an auntie, an uncle, you know, somebody and stood up for the child and made it safe. So I try my best to dream up that and, and make that happen. Now, sometimes you have to get pretty fantastical uh, because of various things. Maybe the dad's really strong or got a gun or you know, different things happen. Can you, say, can you tell me something, I mean, with confidence, um, you know, have you ever had any, I guess the big, one of the big questions we get actually is sometimes the clients wanna be violent in the imagery? Have you ever, yeah. did you ever experience this?
0: Yeah. So the one. The What's your policy
1: on this? Because I think that um, my understanding, the Dutch are a bit more like, you know, express it, you know, um, ventilation.
0: Yeah. I mean, Anud would say that unless, if there's a forensic history, I would yeah. probably avoid going too far. But in general, it's just to be guided by the client. You know, um, I guess it's in part what you're comfortable with as a therapist. Like if you don't want to um, kill them like they've asked, I think like Chris, what's his, what's his words? He's like, I'm going to take them away and going to leave I'm gonna them
1: there. going to take them
0: out. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but won't actually say anything like that. so yeah. I personally I don't get violent. I just you know get my big security guards to take.
1: Them well, away. I always think you, you you know you don't want I know there's an argument about ventilation and stuff um, but I think ultimately you want to be able to model like a healthy approach to the to the scene.
0: Because, I mean, sometimes it's like what are the underlying processes? So sometimes if there's too much anger and they just want to unleash their demon, like what is it actually the underlying thing? Is it the sadness? What's the
1: need? What actually is the need? And can we meet that need in a more constructive way?
0: So what are we going to do by really going to town on them? So maybe we need to think about different things. But then there are also those clients, like my client, who was just really repressed and didn't want to express anything, that it was almost helpful for her to be able to be empowered and stand up for herself because that it, was you know, one of the things that was keeping her back in her real world. She never yeah. stood up for herself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Katrina, tell me a few things about, about the, um, the process of the course, of the online course, which is uh, um, focused on imagery rescripting for trauma as a yes. standalone treatment. Say a few things yeah. about it
0: so i mean it's obviously it's giving you a background on imagery rescripting, um and then we're kind of showing you through the process of what it's like but there's also the parts where tips for how to um, enhance your imagery rescripting processing but also the troubleshooting let's be honest we need to do the troubleshooting that's always a part of treatment and usually not training don't really include that part. So we're kind of trying to, our aim was to set this up, to spread the word, to get people trained, but to, you know, help them go th- Forward and be confident doing imagery. I mean, do
1: you have to be a schema therapist to benefit from uh, that course? Like,
0: you don't have to, um, no, you don't have to have kind of any trauma training in some areas. It's just you have, if you have an interest in using imagery rescripting with your clients, then this is perfect for you. We've tried to make it as interactive and fun as possible. Um, so there's readings, there's videos of us doing imagery rescripting. Nice. Um, there is just some chats, I think, between Chris and I.
1: It feels like a bit of a, you know, process of we're getting a, a sort of a, a bird's-eye view of, of, this, of, of, of the imagery geek out. Yeah. You know, uh, getting in on that.
0: Yeah. But also I think and what is a really cool feature of this course is that we do a, um, a little chat catch up, so you know people are pro in the course, and there's a point where they have there's a one hour q and a yeah catch yeah, up, and they yeah. Can come and go hey, I've been trying this um this is not working, or just to kind of ask questions or anything like that, Chris or I make ourselves available for people yeah. for, during the
1: course. we find that actually but it's really important on the online courses we run for the therapy training online um yeah people people like the opportunity to just come along and connect and and say hi and stuff.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think so, because it's exciting. You know, people want to talk about it and they want to talk about their experiences. And I will happily listen any day of the week to people who are doing that. Um, You know, we've tried to keep the webinars or the learning bits short so it's not too uh, draining or boring or whatever the word is. It's quite interactive in that and people can even put comments and we'll reply to things.
1: Well, Katrina, um, thanks, thanks so much for coming and making the time to have a chat uh, with me for the, for the podcast and, and talk about your work with Imagery. Um, we've been interacting a bit online on email yeah. streams and things, but um, you really have a, a sort of infectious you know, personality, and, and I'm, sh- I'm sure that comes across also in your work and, and in the training. Um, so thanks yeah. for sharing, sharing that and your work um, today. So I look forward to catching up with you again down the track.
0: Well, maybe even face to face one day you can come to like Perth and, you know, see. I where will.
1: Don't worry. Out. I will. I will. It'll happen one day when the United <laughs> States of Western Australia opens up.
0: Yeah, exactly. But thanks so much for yeah. the opportunity to talk about this um, online course that Chris and I have, Rob. It's really something that we're both really passionate about and we're really keen to spread the word.
1: It really comes across, uh, Katrina. Okay, you take care. And uh, what's the schemata? If anyone's interested uh, in in more training in imagery scripting, uh, you can go and see Katrina's course, which is imageryrescriptingtraining.com. Okay, all right. uh, We'll see you around, Katrina. Take care.
0: Thanks, Rob. Bye. Bye. Bye.